Do you remember the first place you went when you got off the bus in New York? Times Square. You know, some guy came up to me and offered me five dollars for a job and all this kind of stuff. I was shocked. I was like, oh my God. Well, those past two weeks went by quick. And speaking of quick, here's another Queer Core quickie for you. My name is August, and I'm the host of the Queer Core podcast. This podcast celebrates the archival interviews I've conducted over the past 13 years. This episode is all about Jane County, a trans trendsetter who pounded the pavement and gave trans women pre-orange is the new black visibility. Jane is an original New York City underground actress, and the story goes when she was performing in Andy Warhol's Pork in London in 1971, David Bowie spotted her. He poached her and the cast of Pork to work for his production company, Main Man. When Jane was under contracts with Main Man, she claims her ideas were stolen, whitewashed, and repackaged as David Bowie's new personality, Ziggy Stardust. Because of Jane's connection to Main Man, her career was stalled, but she never stopped and she never lost her determination. In 1974, Jane re-emerged as a punk rock sensation, and her later band, The Electric Chairs, toured all over the world. Even the police were her backing band for one tour. As she says in her hit song, Wonder Woman, I got a hunch that you want some lunch while I've got gravy in my groin. Pass the turkey, here is Jane County. Jane was born in Dallas, Georgia on July 13th, 1947. gay people at your school that you knew of? Did you know you were there gay? There were, but nobody knew they were gay. I mean, no one knew they were gay. I didn't know. I mean, nobody really knew. This is, this is going back, I think, in the early 60s and things, you know. I mean, I was a little kid in school in the 50s, and then I was a teenager in the, in the, early, in the early 60s. And so um, we didn't know much about, there wasn't much written anywhere about gay or uh, trans or Wow, anything. We didn't know anything about anything. We didn't nobody knew what a drag queen was or anything. We just hear stories in secret about these weird, freaky people who did this, this and that. And nobody knew how to what a queer was. A queer back then, we thought this somebody said that got versus a queer. A queer was this uh, horrible old man who wore a raincoat and and, and and tried to molest little kids in the schoolyard. That's how we knew a queer was. We didn't know about any, anything about culture or bars or anything like that. Later on in my later things, I discovered the whole subculture, the bars and the drag and the whole bit, of course. 
When she was 18 years old, Jane moved to Atlanta, where she found a greater community of queer folk and began to experiment with drag. A lot of the, the, um, the queens were in semi-drag because it was illegal to be in full drag. A lot of queens didn't do the full drag. Some of them did the full drag and took the chance to be arrested. A lot of the queens didn't do the full drag. It was the law was you had to have only at least three pieces of male clothing. So if you had on makeup and all that, you'd have to have on male underwear or a male shirt, you know, something like that. You could, be, and if you, but if you put women's clothes over the male clothes, then you had three, three pieces of male clothing on. They couldn't arrest you. So the laws were the laws were crazy about how they, what they could arrest you for, and uh, it's hard to imagine. But it's just the way it was. The people now just, just do not realize yeah. what we had to go through. And, and every time we left the house, we was, you know, you had to, you, you, you didn't know what was going to happen, you know. You just, it was just not, you know, they were, they were bastards as well. You, you had to be really careful. You had to look around you at all times and be really, really, really careful of your surroundings, you know. Now you could be in bad trouble. I mean, when me and my, my friend, Davina Daisy, we got picked up by this group of men in a car and uh, they took us back to the apartment and raped us. And, uh, but they didn't, they didn't, pull, they, right through, they didn't fully rape me. The guy couldn't get his thing up it. And, uh, but it was, uh, you know, rape, because they were forcing me to do stuff. And these four guys took us to the apartment, locked all the windows and everything. And we crawled, we got out by crawling out the bathroom window. And uh, when this other queen, Miss Cox, she, we told her, we said, you know, me and Miss Day had just been raped by these straight guys. Uh, and, uh, they, uh, they, was, they were straight guys, they were like, yeah, we'll show you, you'll be a woman, come in, fag it, we'll fuck you, you know, that, that, that kind of mentality, you know. They never perceived themselves as gay at all. But you could rape a, you could rape a queen, but they, you, you could still be straight, you see. So Miss Cox, this queen of mine called Miss Cox, who was really outrageous, we, we saw her, and she said, get in the car. And she drove right up in the yard, and we all got out, and we took bricks, we pelted the guy's uh, windshield out with bricks. And then we jumped back in the car screaming, ah, and driving off. We were crazy. And not long after that, I moved to New York. Okay. Because things were just too, too, too heavy, too much you trouble, just too heavy, too crazy in Atlanta. And so I wanted to go to a, a bigger pond, so to speak. So mm-hmm. I got on a Greyhound bus and went to, went and, you know, to, uh, to New York, went to the Stonewall. Jane quickly became a New York fixture, and with her unforgettable look, she became the queen of the scene. She got involved with Warhol, and she started working for David Bowie's management company, Main Man. One of her outlandish stage productions finally came to life when Main Man decided to produce a Jane County extravaganza, a one-night-only performance at the Trucks in New York City. All these trucks parked side by side, and the backs would open, and the queens would go back there, and they would, they would all have sex in the back of the truck. <laughs> and I uh, finally decided, me and Tony thought it'd be funny to call it one in the truck. That's so, so funny. I had the, uh, uh, it was a lot, a, lot, a lot of my stuff is satiric. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, they had uh, these sliding doors, these white doors that uh, 
these sodium hydro, these doors that opened up in the back and people could come, people could come in and out. Um, but it was straight not my face. And so I, I vomited myself up. I came out but my mouth, you know. So when you were sitting there looking at the show, uh, I made my entrance through my mouth. But the doors looked like a truck. You were painted on. And then the doors turned around and it became my face. Huh. And I vomited myself out. That's how I made my entrance at the trucks. And it was called Wayne at the Trucks because the, 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 the show was, a, it was all about sex, but it was a, it was fun. It wasn't, it wasn't serious. It wasn't like a serious expo. It was fun. It was rock and roll. Uh, the songs were like, you know, Stick It In Me. Uh, uh, I, uh, I got to take you got the time, baby. I'll fuck you. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I like that. I got to get laid to stay healthy. It was great. It was pre-age, you know. There was no age around everything. So it was all about just free sex everywhere. It was like free sex, free sex. What was your biggest goal musically at this point? Getting signed, being a big pop star? Touring the what did I you? Trying, I was trying to get signed. Trying to keep on playing. I wanted. I wanted to get. I wanted to make records and, and get out there and, and do the yeah, become a pop star. Mm -hmm. I wanted to become the first uh, drag queen pop star. And do you have any idea that you were? In a lot of ways I was, but I didn't. I wasn't able to make it commercially because the contract was all over my head. Plus a, a, a lot of other reasons as well. A lot of transphobia, of course, but uh, and a lot of homophobia from people back then. They thought they were the same thing anyway. Mm -hmm. I just kept on. I wouldn't let anyone hold me back. I just kept doing what I did. You know, I, didn't, I never gave up. After exploring the boundaries of her identity through art, Jane began to understand that she wasn't just a gay man who liked drag. I had heard about Christine Jorgensen. Uh -huh. uh, Christine Jorgensen was a soldier who had had a sex change and was very famous because of it. So I knew it was possible back then as, as a child. But then um, I didn't think a lot, of, a lot about it. It's always in the back of my head, though. Um, I mean, remember asking my mother once, I said, uh, Mother, will I, when I get old enough, will I be able to marry a man? She was, Lord, no, you can't marry a man. Men don't get married, blah, blah, blah. Each other, blah, 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 because I'm a little boy. I wanted, I was, I was wanted to marry a man as a little girl, too. I wanted to dress up like a, a little girl and marry a man, marry a boy. <laughs> My mother was shocked. <laughs> so when did you think it was possible for yourself? How old were you? Well, uh, not until around, I was working for Rock Thing Magazine, around 70 
1976. But before then, I just, you know, would dress up and everything, but I never had thought about that because my hormone was really feeling nice and nice up. But then I became really serious with it around 1976 and um, started taking, went to a doctor and uh, she started giving me, starting me off on pills, the, the estrogen, and then, uh, then they started me on the blockers and, uh, and then started shocks and things. And then I got as far as having the full sex change, but I couldn't have the full sex change because I have a problem down there with my prostate and all that kind of stuff down there. The doctor told me that uh, it was a good chance of me losing all feeling and everything down in that area. She said it was very dangerous for me, so I couldn't get the full sex change. She recommended me continuing the hormones and living as a woman, but without getting the surgery down there. Everything I read now about you, you know, it's a whole different branding of you as a cultural icon and you changed the world. But during the time, did people, did you, did you talk about it or? you said you didn't think that you necessarily were performing gay liberation or anything like that but you you recognize that what you were doing was going to help the generations coming that you're kind of oh yeah you, you kind I, of, I kind of yeah I, I, I did I had a recognition of it. I didn't know how much mm-hmm. because I couldn't look where but I did uh, I always knew I always uh, knew something I used to look ahead I used to talk to Jamie Andrews who used to work for me and I told him that the day will come when it will be just totally normal for, for guys to wear makeup or guys to be half female or, or, or for trans people um, I said the day will come when it when we'll have TV shows or, or guys will show up with a trans date or whatever it'll be no big deal I said, I, I look, I said the day is coming when that will just be yeah. And then Jamie said, well, no, we'll never see the day when it'll just be accepted for guys to just have, to have totally made up places. And I, I said, yes, it will. Yeah. And it is now. You know, so, I mean, people blur the sexes. I, I always wanted to blur, blur the sexes. I, I, I didn't mind being called a gender bender because 
I like I like the idea of blurring. I like the idea of uh, androgyny. You know, both the little things. I like that. You know, blurring the sexes, not men, really male or not really female. Something new, something different, something mm-hmm. something that is. Pick on somebody your own species. Like I told you before. Everyone has time for a quickie. This is August from the Queer Core Podcast. I want to thank all of you and our partner, Five Burrows Brewing Company. Our next episode will feature Keith St. Clair, the pre-gay liberation homo publishing mogul who gave a voice to the downtrodden without an identity. The Queer Core Podcast is produced by Chris Coates and myself and is edited by Chris Coates. Our theme song, Silicon Valley, is by Silka Berlin and The Addictions. The song, Leave My Pussy Alone, is by Jane County and written by Jimmy LaLumia. Until you hear from me again in two weeks, please follow us on Instagram at QueerCorePod or join my newsletter at AugustNation.com newsletter. Until next time, peace out. Peace out.